Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Seek to Forest. In this episode, I, Gaurav Gupta, Chief Growth Officer at HSEP Foundation, will be talking to Akshay Saxena, co-founder and co-CEO at Avanti Fellows. Akshay is a TEDx speaker and he describes himself as a teacher entrepreneur with a passion to build organizations that create an equitable world. Akshay's organization Avanti Fellows' mission is to help students build quality careers through quality college education and lift themselves and their families out of poverty. In this conversation, you can listen to Akshay speak about how they created a model for kids from low-income families to crack competitive exams and how working at scale made them focus towards solving what's important versus trying to solve everything and how during the process their own thinking evolved about what impact really means. I learned a lot in this conversation about how to evolve thinking and approach as you work at scale and I hope you learn a lot too. Happy listening. Hello everyone. With me today is Akshay Saxena. He's the co-founder of Avanti Fellows and Avanti Learning Center. As an organization, Avanti has been involved in looking at how to drive maths and science related learning outcomes for more than 100 million kids in India, especially focusing upon the middle and the high school students. Welcome Akshay. Thank you for making time. Oh, thanks for having me, Gaurav. Glad to be able to speak. Great. Thank you, Akshay. So, Akshay, let's dive straight in. Uh, my first question to you is that, look, you've been at it for more than a decade now, right? Yeah. Of course, the journey would have been really, really interesting. I wanted to first go into the origins of the journey, right? Uh, mm. What made you get started? Which problems did you look at which made you jump into it? Yeah, so the origins really, I think, uh, come from when I was still in college. I attended, was fortunate enough to go to IIT Bombay. And uh, I think that time period was a big education for me, right? Because for the first time, I started to see kids who were from dramatically different backgrounds than me. And from the get-go, I think it was quite evident that there was a certain type of child that made up the majority of kids at IIT, right? It was typically a middle-class kid with educated parents who'd had access to some high quality schooling or reasonable test prep. And during my last year at IIT, along with Krishna, my co-founder, we started working on this student mentoring program where the final year students would mentor the first year students. Largely at the time to try and address mental health issues, students dropping out and those kinds of things. And we found that overwhelmingly the kids who were struggling were kids who were from rural India, kids whose parents would not go to college, kids who came from Hindi medium backgrounds, right? So I think that's really struck a chord. And, you know, when we spoke to these children, and especially the kids that I mentored, you start to realize that these children were actually vastly more gifted, more deserving in every way than, for instance, I was, but yet would not have commensurate life outcomes. So I think the motivation for what we do at Avanti came very much from a place of justice or what is fair. And that it was really unfair that really brilliant kids from backgrounds that were not typical or not middle class or not privileged really had no chance of getting into these elite government-funded affordable colleges like IIT. So fast forward a bunch of years, I did the standard thing, became a management consultant, then went on to business school. But while I was at business school, I felt like I was in a place where we could at least try to do something. And Avanti started at that time in 2010 as a volunteer organization where we were getting student volunteers on IIT campuses together and getting them to find and identify high potential low-income kids and help them qualify exams like IIT, JEE and NEET. So that's how we got started. 
Well, that's very interesting, Akshay, because you speak about the fact that in a way, what bothered you was uh, in some sense, the use the word uh, lack of justice or the lack of opportunity, which made this thing unfair, right? So just speak about, you know, as you worked with a few kids, right, in the early stage, how did it feel? I mean, what was coming across that really touched a chord? So in the early days, I actually jumped into this full-time a little later. So 2010-2013, Krishna ran things full-time in India. I only moved back in 2013 from the US. And the first experience he was teaching in a center we had set up in Shahadra and Delhi. Really, the first experience was that the kids were brilliant, right? And that's always, I think, it also was my first time really teaching or being involved in teaching kids. And I was just stupefied by how bright the kids were. But at the same time, I also started to realize how ill-prepared I was or we were for their realities, right? So I'll give you an example. So the early years, we would say, hey, let's you know, try and charge some nominal fee. So we'll charge them 1,000 rupees a month or 1,500 rupees a month to come to our center, right. um, which the kids would pay because that much most people can afford. But then we realized that because we were trying to find gifted kids, many of them were traveling to ours to come to our center because it's the only place that they could get test prep. And they were spending much more than the thousand rupees a month traveling. So we had to give them a scholarship, you know, to <laughs> they could travel. <laughs> uh, in fact, start paying them to come to the center, right? So it was the first, I think, real sense of understanding how big a role just availability of money plays, right? And how like very the most obvious, simple things these kids were not being able to get done. The other really was how challenged I felt, right? Because... I think it's much easier uh, thinking of this stuff in abstraction and very different when you start to deal with it, right? So one of the brightest kids in my class came from a Hindi medium school, uh, didn't understand a word of English. And this was, I think, a recurring theme. But we knew that they'd have to understand at least functional English to be able to survive at an IIT or any kind of engineering college for that matter. And then we had this sudden challenge of saying, hey, you know, the physics, chemistry, maths is fine. How do we get these kids to become conversant in English? And, what do we do and how can we do it? And there's such little time. And I think the enormity of what we were taking on started to dawn on us and the set of problems started to snowball really quickly. But amongst all of this, what was quite incredible and continues to be, I think the biggest thing that keeps us motivated is the kids always find a way, right? The kids who really want to find a way, as long as they have some support structures that you can provide, find a way right, to learn, to overcome. And they always surprise you by how much they can do with very little input. That's in many ways the, an artifact also of the kind of programming we run, which is because we focus on kids who have the potential of going to high-end technical colleges. We end up also with the most gifted, the most motivated, you know, the most gritty kids. But yeah, it's a mixed bag, but very inspiring working with these children. That's fascinating, Akshay. In fact, also the way you describe the thing. In fact, I was quite pleasantly touched upon when you spoke about the fact that you were quite stupefied to find that a lot of these kids were brilliant, right? But yeah. of course, they were not getting the right avenues. So just speak through that a bit, because uh, were you easily finding kids who were otherwise brilliant, but were not really getting the opportunities? And hence, this became more and more you know, important to you to really solve this problem. Were you seeing that or was it something else? So it's a good question, right? So we were not finding, um, and this I think was the first time we started to benefit from working with government systems. So in the first few years, we would run a selection test, right? So we would get volunteers, go to government schools only, but we would run a search program, right? Where we would go and try and find children through tests. And we'd really struggle actually to even find 100 kids a year. 
right? Because many steps are involved in getting them to actually apply. So the kids have to know, they have to show up, they have to do reasonably well on the test, you know, then you have to be able to talk to them and get them to enroll. But literally the moment we started working with government systems in some form of partnership, I think our first MOU ever was with the, the Delhi government itself many years ago, where they allowed us to at least you know, distribute information to in the schools and test through the schools. All at once, the student acquisition problem disappeared, right? So the moment we had access to state systems, it became more a question of, look, here's a lot of kids and thousands of bright kids. And then it became more a question of how do you get the service to them? So the entire problem statement changed from how do you find kids to how do you get the service to the kids that exist. Um, and ever since, it's that's been the case. that There are more than enough kids who are brilliant, who are hardworking, and more than brilliant in the conventional sense, right? Where if you gave a test and score really well, you can see that the self-learners, they have the ability to learn, you know, they're motivated, they're committed, they'll study in the middle of the night, they'll find a way to get a smartphone if you need them to, right? So motivated, gritty kids you find in abundance. Uh, and it really is a matter of how do you design systems to get services to them in a way that will benefit them, right? As opposed to trying to get them to fit what service you'd like to deliver. Interesting, because here now you've touched upon this angle that if you were to look for motivated kids, that's kind of easier to find. And especially when you look for what's abundant and what's abundant are the government's ecosystem and the kids who go there, right? Because you spoke about the fact that how all of a sudden, the student acquisition problem disappeared. Yeah. Right. So that's very interesting because here from following the earlier method, to you evolved to this new method, which actually made the kids abundant. And of course, the motivation was abundant. Did that make it easy, however, to work with these kids? Not really, right? So <laughs> in the sense that we had to reinvent the wheel again, right? So reinvent sort of our mode of functioning entirely, mm -hmm. which is... So if you take a step back and say, look, if you start with the first principles, like all of us were consultants, you say, okay, I want to find, I want to get 5,000 children, 10,000 children, 100,000 children into top-notch engineering colleges. Yes. The first principle thinking would say, okay, go find schools that are really high performing, go find pockets where you'll find these children, set up centers there, give them lots of input and over requisite input and see how they clear, right? But you always imagine some number of centers or some number of units or some number of physical spaces where you can do this work, right? That's always how, at least back in 2010, how one would imagine this. But when you start to chase what is abundant in government systems or where are these kids abundant? They're abundant in government systems, but they're also extremely scattered, right? And they're also more abundant in rural areas or cutoff areas than they are in major urban areas. Because in major urban areas, typically the kids who are really high performing will go to private school, start getting distributed in some way, somebody will give them a scholarship. But if you then start chasing, look, where is the largest catchment of high performing rural kids? Or if now that we focus much, much more on girls, where is the highest catchment of high performing motivated girls? You will find them in rural India, you will find two per school and you'll find them distributed. Uh, which then means that you have to have very different operating models to cater to them. Also, there are other constraints that, you know, what's available to them, right? So what's available to most of these kids is not uh, transport to a nearby center, not the ability to come to a tuition center at 4 p.m. What's available to them is often access to a phone, maybe between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. And just everything around what works in the kind of the regular world where there is money, uh, starts to change when you start to look at what is available to these kids. And it took us many years, I think, it until COVID happened, you know, the kind of digital learning paradigm really took off. It was quite hard figuring out what model would scale because we would keep repeatedly 
setting up centers of excellence or coaching centers in major metros. The government would help us find kids, but then we would find that kids can't travel to them. So we'd keep getting stuck in some way or the other. And the only model we really had, which worked till then, was residential schools. So we had one model, which is work in residential schools, find high-performing residential schools where your talent is abundant and place teachers there to work with those kids. But outside of the very narrow residential school model, we had no model that was actually working or that we could get to work. And it was a struggle for a while. And COVID changed a lot of that for us once digital methods became possible. So, in fact, coffee interesting about Bully, actually, because you touched upon the fact that quite often we get started as consultants and then we think conventional stuff. framework fit output But then, of course, you discovered in that journey that change because you're not getting the right results. And, and things kept happening as you kept doing and kept learning and kept evolving. So, Akshay, uh, in a way, there were mistakes that were being made, right? Which, of course, happens in any journey. And there were learnings that were coming from that mistake. And that was somewhere leading to the evolution of the navigation compass for the company. The principles on which you were trying to build the narrative and the work that was happening in this context. So just speak through that a little bit in terms of what are the kind of mistakes that you're proud of? Yeah, so I, I, uh, absolutely, right? And I think one of the biggest mistakes that... We made, and this is all in hindsight, you wouldn't know until you made it, was to design very complex solutions for scale. Especially because we work in test prep and this bar is so high of getting kids into these colleges. You cannot start off with the point of I want to solve everything. So I want to solve English language speaking. I want to solve access to computers. I want to teach them 21st century skills. I also want to teach them math and science. I also want to solve social issues, right? And when you take that approach that I will solve the problem end to end by myself, you inherently, and there's nothing wrong with it. I think you end up with very, very deep, but very, very small solutions. But since the ambition for us always from the beginning was to solve something at scale, sort of going down this path of having very deep involved solutions also meant that it kind of set us back several years in terms of thinking of scale solutions. So I think it ties into the plus one concept also well, right? Which is uh, over time, so that was one mistake, right? Which is you start with trying to solve too much at once as opposed to saying, I want to solve this one very specific thing for a very specific kind of child. Akshay, this was a dwand, right? Yeah. A mental dwand that, you know, everything is good, but everything is good. Let's work on what's important because we really want to work at scale, right? So speak through that a little bit. Uh, and we'll, of course, come to other kind of mistakes that you made. But speak through this one in particular. Right? How would you approach it? Uh, how, how did it feel? You know, I think to realize that there's confusion also took multiple years. Because you first start off by saying, you know, what's, what's conventional? What's conventional is saying, we'll do something, we'll do something, we'll do something, we'll do something, we'll do something. This is how everyone, I think, generally thinks. I am learning a lot in this conversation. Hope you are too. Which questions would you like me to ask? What areas would you like me to explore further? Please write to me at gaurav at eightstep.org. Uh, but you don't really give a lot of thought to what scaling means in a non-commercial setting. In a commercial setting, I have opened a center, I have opened a center, I have opened a lot of success, I have opened a lot of ranks. 
तो मैं मतलब खूब सारी फीस चार्ज करता हूँ उससे मैं एक्सपेंशन करता हूँ मैं और सेंटर खोलता रहता हूँ बट द मोमेंट वी स्टार्ट वर्किंग विद गवर्नमेंट स्कूल सेटिंग वेर वन वे और दी अदर है इस तरह से पकड़ो या उल्टी तरफ से पकड़ो कान खूब सारा खर्चा सरकार को तो करना ही है लाइक देर इज नो वे दीज चिल्ड्रेन विल बी एबल टू एक्सेस एनी थिंग अंडर द गवर्नमेंट पार्टिसिपेट्स लाइक एंड देन इग्नोरिंग वॉट कंस्टेंट्स वर्किंग विद हाई स्केल गवर्नमेंट सिस्टम विल इम्पोज आई थिंक वॉज दिस कॉज सम ऑफ दिस कन्फ्यूजन सो टू कॉज अ फेयर वाइल्ड वेर द पंस प्रोग्राम वॉज प्रोवेन एंड पीपल सेट किस को कर दो to realize oh the model we have is fundamentally not designed at all for scaling across government system we have no model to scale across a government system we have only this model so it took us i would say good 4 5 6 years to realize that there was a problem that there was some confusion and then there was a lot of confusion because you would like i said you kind of get stuck in this whereas of what are we really solving for right because that was the first time the choice became real like are you solving for scale or are you solving for depth of impact and usme fir you know where we landed eventually was we are sol- we are solving for scale in some matters and depth of impact in some matters right and how to segregate which things are scale solutions and which solutions are supposed to operate at population scale and which solutions you are okay doing at small scale because there's meaningful value still you know at the population level to bahut zyada confusion create ho gaya us time pe ki how do you even define what our role is and what we want to do so it took us i would say 3 4 years to even realize there was a problem right ki kuch panga hai bhi right and actually that's what makes it so fascinating and for you to be candid to say that you know jaise kai log bolte hain yaar humko dikh raha tha problem humne ye kara aur aage badh gaye versus saying humko kai saal lage us cheez ko samajhne mein right and that's a very candid admission by you because a lot of times we don't realize when we are especially in the middle of it yeah yeah especially when you work with kids right because i think the hardest thing to do at least in my mind work with children and their learning is every part of what you do is highly rewarding so any interaction with a child is rewarding especially if the child is motivated yeah right to aapko hamesha lagta hai jo aap kar rahe ho bahut impactful hai kyunki objectively hai right aapne ek bacche ko ek ghanta padhaya wo bhi impactful hai right but to realize i think it takes a long time to realize that you will have to do something that are less impactful to be able to reach more kids स्केल may not have any obvious impact because you're laying down pipes may have very limited impact or small impact and often the error you're making is you're not trying to measure the right impact like you're trying to measure apne bachcho ko maan lijiye content baata ya apne bachcho ko assessments karaye high scale pe if you feel like the impact of that is going to be learning gains then you're already fooling yourself that's not going to lead to learning gains but if you feel like the impact of that is going to be awareness of a certain test or familiarity using computers to learn we have to sit this think about what the right impact metric is and these are hard problems you can at least i feel like in in our life also you you can just avoid for a long time as long as you're working with children because all of that is so rewarding in itself that's very well said akshay because i think the entire framing of this in terms of how you spoke about it on one side you can solve for what will work at scale but that may not be perfect and that quite often you are looking for what's really important to change 
and yet can happen as a change at the scale of the population. So what happens at population scale as a change may not be perfect, but yet it becomes a plus one kind of a change. Vis-a-vis uh, solving for everything and hence trying to make things work and then trying to figure out what will make it work at scale and then dealing with that kind of a challenge. But in the process, still realizing warmth of how it touches the lives of children and really brings about a change in their lives and feeling the warmth of it. So Akshay, naturally, it would have led to uh, within the firm for you to say that, look, this confusion will but uh, and, and you spoke about the fact that we looked at coming up with metrics that are important, important and choosing the right metrics, right? So, how was it panning out? Yeah, so, I think the way we thought of it is, what is Avanti's role, right? Like, what do we want to do? And the way we think about it now is to say, look, there are some things where we can establish precedence. Right. So you can, this is the question you led up with, right? It, were you surprised that there were lots of bright kids in government school systems who could go to top tier colleges, right? Um, there's some things where you need to have like this, you know, I don't know, a ceiling smashing kind of impact, right? You have to get a bunch of really low income rural kids to become IAS officers and become IITNs and, you know, do dramatic things. But I think to also recognize that will always be low scale. Like we will never fundamentally take a child from zero to 100 uh, in the hundreds of thousands by ourselves. Like it's just not going to happen, right? So the one is to understand what we are doing, which is precedent setting, which is paradigm establishing, and which is largely for that only, which is to sort of show proof of concept, right? And then to say that, look, let's assume that we can do that, right? That we can do that to some degree. And what's the scale you need to do it at, right? So for instance, you know, in a state, let's say like Delhi, is it enough for us to get 100 kids in or 1,000 kids in or 5,000 kids in? What's the number at which we believe that the government and the decision makers in the government will believe that they should invest in a digital learning program for gifted kids? So to think of that purely in the bucket of saying, I'm trying to create evidence for you to make the investment. I think that is one. But parallelly, really thinking about when they do say yes, to not have the same experience as I described before, when they do say yes, to be able to provide them with a playbook or infrastructure which says that it's good to do right? And if I study 100 children and 20 children, then it can be that you study 100 children and study 3 children first, right? Or 4 children can be done, but you won't study 100, you will right? So to start thinking about our work in two ways, one is establishing models or developing models, which is almost like R&D and proof of concept work. And then think about what are the, what is the infrastructure, both academic, curricular, manpower capacity, technical capacity, technical infrastructure that the government would need to be able to do what we are doing at population scale, right? And to divide those two pieces, which is to say, iska goal ye hai, uh, ki hum essentially, like in this parlance, plus one kar rahe hai, like hum dheere dheere cheeze improve hongi, halki halki cheeze improve hongi, abhi bhi data nahi aata hai, baad mein data aayega, phir wo data aise form mein aayega, jo dousri data ke saath baat kar paayega, phir hum shayad eventually NDR format mein pahunch jayenge, right? To wo hume pata hai ki dheere 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 rank rank ke hoga, which would be kind of the ecosystem work or the platform work or the things that we do. And then there is work where we know we are going to get, we have to have a very, very high bar on impact because we know it is high intensity, high input, but which is being done mostly to establish precedence and proof of concept for the government. So that's how we kind of split our work now, right? Where we say 
here's impact work, like deep impact work, but here's how we are going to lay down the pipeline. And then there's a third piece, which is really, which you touched upon, Gaurav, which is also to stop in the scale work, to stop thinking of ourselves as the primary actors, right? which is, I think, a really important kind of a, it's a form of humility, I think, which I have learned with difficulty. <laughs> but but to realize that, look, this, these problems are so big, right? He is very unlikely that we will be the only, definitely not the only, and almost certainly not the primary actors in some of this big work. And to think about what our role is in building the ecosystem to get that work done. But who, I think, especially when, you know, I would say I would just use only my example specifically, right? When you when I started, I don't think you one really understands all of this. You kind of start off because you're starting out from a point of idealism and you're starting off from this endless self-belief that I am going to come up with this one answer where everybody else couldn't find it and I'm going to solve it. I think that goes away after some time working in on these large problems. And in fact, actually, what's really interesting about it is that the confusion was leading to splitting of fears, but ultimately translated into splitting of work yeah. around uh, these dimensions, right? And in this context, of course, uh, like you uh, said Aram se ki bhai ye to uh, ab tarika ye hai karna hi is tarah se hai and we are realizing in a very humble way ki we need to have that humility as an organization right ki jab scale pe kar rahe hain to shayad hum khud na kar sake we have to take the ecosystem along right to uh, akshay kuch uh, uh, example uthar se nikal ke aate hain where you know uh, uh, when you especially went in the direction of what will work at scale and that needs some ecosystem players to be involved. So something as an example which told you that this is not tension I mean, several things I would say, right? Which is, so I'll give you maybe a very specific example of our, I mean, our work, which will make this clearer, which is, let's say, given the Navodaya system. So we work in the system of schools called Navodaya Vidyalaya, right? it's a residential government schools. There are about 600 of them almost in every district. And it's where right? So you have 25 lakh children sitting for the test. They pick some 35, 40,000 children every year to start in residential school in class six. So on the face of it, this is the easiest system for us to work in because the kids are so high performing at the point of entry and they get a fully paid residential school system to work in and live in. Even in this system, for the longest time, our model was to place teachers, young teachers in the school and to have a facilitated learning model where bachche self-study karte the, but there was a, someone to guide them and uh, where we had more money, teach them. You know, for the longest time, I mean, even the team would push back saying, Ki, we know, we can tell you if you don't put teachers, nobody's going to really learn, you know, what is the point of doing, you know, anything uh, unless we can control the outcomes of kids, right? That's the common wisdom there. And that sound logic, if your metric is how many kids will clear the GE, right? Because every time you then do cuts and say, system-wide rate kya hai, aapka rate kya hai, jaha aapne sirf teacheron ko train kiya, ya sirf content diya kya rate aya, right? You'll always keep making the sense that the ROI is higher if you put teachers, right? But then there's the other reality that is never a model that will scale across 500 schools. It's just not going to happen, right? We are not going to humanly be able to raise that kind of capital. And even if we did, the likelihood that you'll be able to manage manpower of 500 into four, like some 2,000, 3,000 people living across rural India is highly unlikely. So eventually what we arrived at is that the only thing that the system is currently ready to do at high scale is assessment. So all we do now is run a, you know, we built a simple platform where the, all the kids in the system take a test every month, right? which is JE pattern, NEET pattern or COET pattern. The impact is not going to come. The children who are at the early, early onset 
high performing are the ones who eventually clear the JE or the NEET. Like it's not, you're not going to be able to prove some deep cost benefit analysis or some deep impact analysis just by doing assessments. But the way to look at it is, you know, how many steps forward have we, have we taken at least one step forward towards having an ecosystem where the high performing kids are getting access to resources and maybe some local facilitation uh, or community facilitation or mentors online. Because to go from having zero data on the kids who we were not teaching to having monthly data and rigorous monthly data on 30, 40,000 children is a huge step forward. And that has meant lots of ancillary benefits where those kids are getting identified early. Sometimes the principals will create, figure out if there's some way in which these children can be sent to other programs after class 12. There's a lift in the awareness of the families that the child is gifted. There's a lift in the confidence of the children that knowing that they're doing well. So it, this in itself is not going to solve anything. But the clarity that came from the system is, okay, we can start off by doing just assessments. Then gradually, we've started doing just online classes once a week, something of the sort, which are broadcast across the system. Then we'll, we, and as a consequence, a year or two into it, the Samiti said, okay, we'll give tablets in all the schools. So, when tablets, content preload ho gaya hai, right? So, we're going slowly, slowly, one step, we're going that way, right? But, Guma Pira, the 20,000 children who are studying, there will be 2,000 or 3,000 children, which is still more than the kids I get through. Right? I get 300 children through, through my high intensity programming. And this very low touch thing is still attributably helping at least 10 times as many children. Right? Um, similarly in Delhi, right? like the 17,000 kids who participate in our program, we have high intensity online. We have said that we have high intensity and maybe 1,500 children with medium intensity. But you, we, we are finding quite consistently that just by participating, in some format of system-wide testing assessment, these uh, same benefits apply right? And then it's creating for us a model where we can eventually say, that you know, in assessments, we put Diksha in Diksha, or in assessments, we put NTK through partnership and implement in some format. Or we build capacity in state, that you do data integrate. And none of these things that I'm saying, which are these broad-based answers, will meet the metric of saying that can I 100% attribute the child's success on the JE to my programming? 100% not, right? But can I make the system more ready to cater to lakhs of children in two years, three years, four years times? Absolutely. And that I think is kind of how we are, you know, segregating these things in our minds at least. Right. And that comes out very well in your articulation, Akshay, because uh, I saw a series of aha moments, basically, that you had along the journey. But the one that kind of stands out for me is how you describe the way you look at the metrics now and mm -hmm. metrics and their importance. So to, as you spoke about the example that the team would also exert that pressure to now being comfortable with a different set of metrics, especially when you're looking at scale. And that hence still giving you the joy of creating that impact at a different level, but also at a different scale. Yeah, absolutely, right? And you hear very interesting things, right? Like for many of these children, I mean, there are many children who clear without us teaching them, right? But we captured their data. And it's as simple as saying, I had never heard about JE need prep. I never thought I could do it. And yes, that's a small percentage. It's probably 1%, 0.1%, right? But you India's population, 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0.5% apply to right? So single, that's multiple digit percentage point shifts in the representation, right? So I think it's really important to start looking at things that way. And we've learned, I think, with some iteration to start doing that to a degree. 
Then the other thing, Gaurav, which has come up now, which has very been, I think, surprising. I think, and this is the thing, which is in the plus one approach. Some of the impact is fluke. I don't want to call it fluke, but I want to call it opportunistic slash surprising, right? You won't find out that there is an opportunity until you've laid down the infrastructure. So I'll give you an example, right? For instance, once we started testing so many kids, we now have access to a lot of children. So all of a sudden we find, hey, if somebody wants to do a large scholarship program and just find 5,000 deserving girls in Uttarakhanda who are going to college. There's very few people better placed than us to find those children because we have data, right? Or if we want to talk to, let's say, Infosys or TCS or, or someone to say, hey, can you do a school-to-work program using these credentials that are now going to come? Again, we have the data. At least we have the scale data to be able to start finding kids because for most educational programs, the first point of where they get stuck is bache kaan se milenge, right? And if we are sitting on data of the highest motivation children in the country and rigorous data of them for multi-year data, that in itself opens up opportunities that we wouldn't even have thought is part of our mandate or something we would do. So the I think the add-on benefits of gradually building pipelines of data, infrastructure, access of kids, connections to kids um, cannot be kind of, you know, I, I don't think one should talk that down ever. Like, I think that's something which has been a big aha learning for me, which is key. You know, there's some value in just sitting on data <laughs> and seeing what, what might want it. Uh, and that's been cool to see as well. That's really marvelous, Akshay, because in a way, this realization in itself that every time what you do may not show immediate results, but especially when you do things which are infrastructural in nature, the opportunity may reveal itself down the line. That's an amazing, amazing insight to have. So Akshay, what next? I mean, what kind of mistakes, what kind of aha moments or uh, what are you looking for uh, as you look at the future now? Well, I think I'd love to make more mistakes. But I think every time we've made a mistake, we've learned something pretty cool. Uh, and I think now we make high-scale mistakes, which is even more interesting. Which I think is, by the way, just as an aside, I think is one more of those uh, myths we need to bust. Like it's okay to make big mistakes also. Because those mistakes can only be made at high scale. Like there's many mistakes you can only make at high scale. Like your server can crash only when you have 10,000 test takers, right? So... If you keep plodding around and hoping that someday you'll build the perfect system where 10,000 people will take the test, you'll never test 10,000 people at once in the same 10-minute window. So I think one is make more big gnarly mistakes and learn from them. The second is uh, start to think a little bit divergently about impact for us as well. Because I think we're already starting to get to the point where there's line of sight to seeing that there are obvious things, right? That you IIT, NIT, doctor, engineer, there are natural limits. There's a certain number that you can do max. Um, and the opportunity is actually much larger, right? I think the opportunity, even as I see it now, is no longer to say, we should for the many years articulate our vision and mission also as saying, our goal is to create equal representation and premier colleges in the country, right? That's how we used to always articulate what we want to do. We've already started articulating that differently by saying our goal is to lift kids out of poverty in a single generation, which means that even letting go of these frameworks of saying that college is necessary right? I think letting go of some of those things and saying, uh, thinking reverse, which is to saying, hey, I'm sitting on one of the largest communities of kids who are highly driven and motivated and their information and school systems that want to do good for these children. Uh, how do I bring opportunity to these kids? Right? I think it's a very, in many ways, a completely different way of looking at what we do. Uh, 
And Usme, I think ecosystem thinking, building coalitions, these things are actually going to be even more paramount because we certainly will not do this. I mean, 100% will not do the skilling for those pathways. Like there's no chance we will do the skilling for those pathways, right? And parallelly, we know there's a lot of uh, architecture system building that's happening in education, right? Which I think even from all my conversations, got with you and with the XTEP team, right? It's also been a journey you guys have been on, right? Which is to say, what should we do? And I think it's arriving at infrastructure, right? And systems. So I think a lot of this stuff is coming together for a bunch of us. I think it'll be exciting, like, you know, next five, 10 years to see key, uh, you know, how do we energize an ecosystem to create impact for these kids as opposed to, you know, catch hold of every child and teach them ourselves, uh, which will certainly not be what we do, the last vast majority. Fascinating. Fascinating, Akshay. I mean, I really love the conversation that you've just had. Uh, you know, of course, a lot of what you spoke about struck me. But what really amazed me was the kind of transformation that has not just come in the work that you do, but also the way it has led to the shift in thinking. And uh, in terms of, you know, what you would look at in the past versus what you are looking for in the future. So really wish you and the team all the best to make those bigger mistakes and create a bigger impact working with the ecosystem. Thank you so much, Akshay. It was a pleasure talking to you. And Thanks you so much, Gaurav. Pleasure talking to you as always. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. I unlocked a lot of possibilities in this conversation. Hope it did the same for you. Which leaders would you like me to meet? What would you like me to ask them? Please write to me at gauravadekstep.org.